Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to season two, episode one of Live in Conversation. Um, You know, everything is going to remain the same on the show, of course. Um, You know, I just figure it does show like a bit better on on, like the podcast apps and whatnot, you know, to break it down into seasons of decent size, you know. So I was like, you know what, let's let's just cap it at 20, do a season two and just see how it goes. You know what I mean? Um, Because, you know, I just find it more convenient because it like it kind of like gives you like a timeline it gives you like better spacing out you know like you could see what from what time to what time or like what like what range of the year you know what i mean like what point in time was this range of episodes recorded you know um because you know a lot of topics um you know are repeated in the in the current uh you know political sphere um, not even just mostly of the country, but also of the world, you know, there's a lot of repetition and looping and, and, you know, just, just like a never ending cycle of the same stuff kind of, or extremely similar stuff. So, you know, it can kind of get repetitive. It can kind of get, you know, confusing when you're going back to older episodes and whatnot, you know, so I figure it's just easier to do it this way. Um, and also it gives me an excuse to change the cover art. Um, <laughs> cause you know, wasn't really a big fan of the original one. Um, so yeah. Um, and I, I, as I'm recording this, I still haven't decided which one I'm going to use for season two. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll have that figured out before this episode comes out. So yeah, this episode should be coming out on the 21st, Friday, um, the July 21st. So, um, yeah, but also, um, you know, we're just going to get right into it. We're just going to dive straight headfirst into season two of live and conversation, so let's get right into it, guys. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is, um, uh, what's it called? Is a movie that's coming out. Um, you know, Barbie, <laughs> the Barbie movie. Um, if you don't know, it's coming out the day that this podcast is meant to be released. So, you know, as long as the, you know, services actually listen to what day and what time I want this out, Barbie came out today, <laughs> um, you know, I'm recording this the day prior, so, you know, um, but anyways, um, you know, the Barbie movie's coming out and all that, and, and, you know, I'm, of course, gonna have to go see it, like, come on, you know, I've been, I've been excited, I keep hearing all the good songs off the soundtrack, and I saw the trailers, and it, it got me hooked, I'm not gonna lie, it seems incredibly fun, I, I've, I've always wondered if they were ever gonna do that, you know, when I started noticing all the movies and everything, but that's besides the point, this isn't a movie review, um, podcast, but, um, you know, now it does have relation to what I'm talking about first. Um, Senator Ted Cruz, um, who is a Republican, is waging war against Barbie. <laughs> and I know that sounds completely ridiculous, but he, along with quite a few other Republican, um, you know, politicians are trying to wage war against Barbie for no reason whatsoever it, it's it's a pg movie about you know a popular doll uh collection it, it's not something ridiculous that they're showing children you know they're just mad because it's bright and pink and you know it, it's it's amazing it, like it looks like a great movie and i will definitely go to watch it now that i know for a fact that the republicans are upset about it I will definitely be uh, making that a priority of mine <laughs> to go see that. But, um, you know, it, it's just hilarious because, you know, these these Republican senators and these Republican politicians of all um, of all departments or whatever, um, you know, 
they seem to think like their job is is like basically owed to them like they they're, they're basically like their job is 100% secure they're forever going to have this position you know no, nothing's ever going to stop them but in reality you're, you're up for election every like what, what like two years I'm pretty sure it's two years you're up for election every like two years you know some of you maybe four years even depending on your position of course so my question is what makes you think you're invincible you know, it, it's, it's a little bit complex. It, it's a little bit like complicating for me because it, it makes my mind think like these people really think they're invincible. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's well into her forties now, I believe she's only been in, for, this is her second term. This is only her second term in office. Um, you know, and a lot of people were surprised by that. I was surprised by that. I, I could have sworn she was in, she's been in office for longer than that. But, you know, I was always wondering why she was just now popping up into the public spotlight. And that's because she just joined Congress. You know, similar with uh, Lauren Boebert. She decided to join Congress. And, you know, it, no, you know, they're both awful people. <laughs> um, literally, my Twitter bio t- says to impeach both of them. So, you know, obviously, I don't like either of them. You know, that, that's that's a common fact. However... I will say that I personally believe, you know, I, I believe that they're just trying to make issues out of, like, nothing. They're trying to make an issue out of a kid's movie just because it's it's a Barbie movie. They're trying to make an issue about it. Like, come on, people. Like, knock it off. Honestly, knock it off. There is no reason for people to be, you know pretending like this is this is a bad thing it's a movie it is a movie it's it's nothing crazy so you know um now i personally think that it's a little ridiculous that republicans are you know actively trying to attack a movie for no reason you know um yeah So, I mean, obviously, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, and it's honestly kind of funny. Um, you know, all of, these, all of these people just keep causing issues. So, you know, um, I think we need to vote them out personally. But anyways, moving on, um, let's see what else we have to talk about. I have um, been seeing quite a lot um, of people supporting RFK, Actually, I had an RFK supporter on Twitter uh, last night into this morning. Kind of like passive-aggressive come for me in a way, um, you know, while also basically avoiding the big question in the room. You know, I obviously brought up um, RFK's very questionable um, comments relating to COVID and the virus and the vaccine. You know, extremely questionable uh, facts, and, and not facts, but statements that he has said um, and that he has put out there. You know, and I, I asked this RFK supporter about this, and, you know, they basically just ignored it. That is the issue with RFK. RFK is not a Democrat. He, he is not a Democrat. Majority of his own family does not even support his political campaign because he is an extremist. He is a radical extremist that is pretty much piggybacking off of, you know, the Republican propaganda the woke extremist Republican propaganda, and he's trying to rip the, um, the Democratic voter appeal 
while additionally ripping some Republican voter appeal and ripping both, both bipartisan voter appeal in, in limited numbers, of course. And he's trying to rip that and put that onto his campaign, thinking that that will get him a better shot in the primaries. And, you know, uh, he is somehow still in second place, beating Marianne Williamson, who is in last somehow. It's puzzling to me. I think this election is, is completely rigged, in my opinion. And I'm not, I'm, I will not be surprised if Marianne doesn't make make it past the primaries. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if RFK didn't make it past the primaries. I mean, RFK doesn't exactly have Democratic support. You know, a lot of his morals do not lie where Democratic morals should be landing, even considering, you know, the moderate Democrat, um, you know, base. It's not even meeting that criteria. And that criteria is very, very basic and very, very, very minimal, you know, compared to progressive Democrat basis. You know, he's definitely not getting the appeal or approval of, of progressive Democrats or Democratic socialists. Additionally, he's he's not really getting the mainstream moderate Democrat supporter base because of his comments. The small number that is being ripped is is gonna, you know, is not is gonna ter- maybe turn out to vote for him. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. But I still think Biden is going to be rigged into the victory of the primaries. The primaries are going to be rigged. Those voting, those voting stations are going to be rigged. The election will be cheated and Biden will be pretty much shoehorned into a second uh, term. Now, additionally, however, I still believe, you know, maybe there's a slight, slight chance of hope that this election is not rigged, that it won't be rigged, that it might be fair. Who knows? However, I feel like enough people are, you know, realizing this and they're realizing that this is a very, very coincidentally set up and, and, you know, calculated election and primary, you know, um, we're pretty much veering every single day. We're veering closer and closer towards the 2020 general presidential election part two. You know, we're just we're just basically making a continuation, you know, based off of poor primaries decisions. You know, I would rather, in my in my opinion, a dream three-person ballot. So let's just say there's three people, you know, um, three, three people to nominate for president. Those three people on the Democrat side, I would love to see, I would love, obviously, I would love to see Marianne on a general election for the Democrats. Additionally, if I had to choose a Republican, I would most likely go for Chris Christie. And then for a green, obviously, I'm going to choose Cornell West. Or for a third party, you know, in my opinion, I, the Libertarian Party, which actually I was briefly supportive of a while back, um, uh, they have zero support for me now, um, personally, following, you know, the comments against, um, I believe it was Nina Turner, I believe is her name. Um, uh, yeah, very, very racist comments um, that were for no reason, just because she said that insulin should be free, which it should be free. Uh, the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire decided to attack her for that using racial um, racial messages, which is incredibly bad. And then actually the Louisiana Libertarian Party um, spoke out against the New Hampshire Libertarian Party. So, you know, that just goes to show that, you know, 
There are some good libertarians, but there's a lot of bad libertarians as well. You know, that's why I left the party. There's too much of a divide in a party. Meanwhile, they're trying to basically patch it up with masking tape that, you know, it's a perfect party and everybody agrees on everything. That's not the case. You know, consistently, libertarian um, libertarian candidates vary quite drastically in terms of what they want to do, what they don't want to do. You know, they have certain common beliefs that they all you know, believe in, but there's, there's other things that each candidate might, might have or might not have. And it's very, very interesting because, you know, they, they try to attack the democratic party, just like I've attacked the democratic party because of the extreme divide within a party that is divided from other parties quite a lot. You know, think about it. Every single political party, you have Democrats, Republicans, Greens, Libertarians, there is extreme divide between every single political party in the modern political sphere. However, if you go into these parties, there are divides within divided parties, if that makes any sense. So let's, let's, let's pretend we're going to zoom into the Democratic Party. There is a divide within the Democratic Party. There's progressive Democrats. There's moderate de- Democrats. They can't seem to agree on all the same things. Some people want more. Some people want less. The moderates, you know, have hands-off approach on a lot of things. Progressives, they want action done. They want action done yesterday. You know, um, they, they want immediate action and that's what they plan to do. They're very aggressive and hands-on with their work. Whereas moderates are a little bit more calm, basic and hands-off on a lot of things. Um, you know, Joe Biden, a prime example of a moderate, um, you know, and additionally, and you know, let's, let's go over to the Republicans, something that I really don't want to do, but you know, I'm going to do it for the sake of the example. You know, no one ever wants to go to the Republican party. (laughs) So anyways, Republican Party, another divide. There's alt-right or far-right, and then there's the moderates within the Republican Party. You know, there are some, not as much as there are moderate Democrats. There's less moderate Republicans now in the modern Republican Party. It's mainly um, extremist um, Republicans and, um, and like, far, far far-right. You know, so, you know, I mean, that's just personally... What I believe, um, that that's, that's actually kind of really a fact if you think about it, if you really take a look at it. Um, the Green Party doesn't really, I've not really seen a divide within the Green Party, and that's because the Green Party is smaller. There's not that many things to argue about. The reason people go to the Green Party is because they all agree, you know, with maybe progressive Democrat, democratic socialist um, policies, but additionally, we care about the environment. And we put focus on the environment and we put focus on wanting socialism. That's personally why I endorse the Green Party because all it, it's all common sense stuff and it's all, you know, progressive still in a way that, you know, we are going to get the job done. And that's personally what I believe. You know, I would love to set up a meeting or to have a meeting set up with uh, the Green Party of California to look into potentially endorsing my campaign, you know, that'd be wonderful. I, w- I would graciously accept a Green Party um, endorsement um, or a message of, like, support, you know, for my campaign. Um, you know, if the Democrats were to turn around and say they would support my campaign, which is not going to happen because, you know, they want their their active, their current puppet, their current moderate do-nothing puppet, uh, Karen Bass, they want her to remain in office, you know, and these these uh, elections in Los Angeles are meant to be nonpartisan. They are extremely party based. You know, there are never any conservatives. You know, there's no one on the right. There's nobody too far left either, coincidentally. And if there is, they get knocked off the ballot. You know, or they just magically don't get 
that many voters, you know, um, and everybody magically starts to go for the moderates, which makes no sense because you see a lot of people that live in Los Angeles tending to want more progressive policies, you know, Medicare for all, abolishing ICE, you know, reforming the uh, border, reforming immigration policy, reforming all of these things. You see them wanting constant uh, reform and and this and that, uh, Medicare for all, you know, free college, ending student loan debt, environmental issues. Um, they want those fixed. You know, you see all these issues and they want them fixed. But additionally, they want their taxes to not skyrocket. And they believe that with progressive Democrats, they believe that their taxes are going to skyrocket further than moderate Democrats would, would rise them. It depends on the candidate, of course. You know, some of them are okay with raising taxes. Others might not be. You see what I'm saying? It's a very big divide within a party that's already divided from others. You know, um, that's just personally how I see it. I see it as a big mess, in my opinion. You know, of, you know when you go to play Jenga and you, don't, you think your next move is definitely going to break the tower down and it's, it's looking very, very bad to pull anything, you know, and it looks like the tower is about to fall to pieces. That's exactly what the modern day, you know, political sphere looks like. It's in, it's in shambles. It's, it's divided. It's in shambles and it's extremely fragile, even corrupt in some ways. You know, we see the democratic primaries. I would call that pretty corrupt. The Republican primaries, I wouldn't exactly call them corrupt in my opinion. You know, the people of the Republican voter base, obviously majority support Trump or DeSantis and maybe just maybe Pence. You know, there's a moderate Republican running. Chris Christie, he's fairly moderate. He's not extreme or as extreme as DeSantis or Trump. But they won't let him, you know, get promotion. They won't promote him as much as an option. You know, and now we have Trump basically refusing. And we kind of knew this was going to happen for a while. But now it's pretty much all but confirmed that Trump is not going to be at the first um, debate for the Republican primary uh, elections. Any candidate that just says, oh, no, I'm not going to go to to a very important debate, you shouldn't even be allowed to run then. You should not be allowed to run. If you genuinely think that, you know, that's, that's okay, you should not be allowed to run. You know, if anything, you should be allowed to run as an independent then, because independents don't have, uh, you know, large-scale debates. You know, they're all unorganized in a way that, you know, they just do their own thing and they support what they want to support. And that's that's fantastic, in my opinion. We need to hear more independent voices and nonpartisan uh, vo- uh, voices and all that. You know, that's, that's personally what I think. Um, you know, this election is quickly turning very, very suspicious. Not really suspicious. That's not the good word for it just interesting, you know, from, from, you know, somebody who's very politically active, you know, from that standpoint, but also from like a youth Gen Z standpoint where, you know, I'm not able to vote yet, but the moment I am, you better believe I'm going to, I'm going to do every single goddamn election that I possibly can because that's what, that's what Gen Z needs to do. A lot of people, a lot of millennials don't turn out for mayoral elections, municipal elections, state elections, Congress, Senate, House, 
they don't pop out for those elections. They only come out for the big ones every four years, the po- the um the presidential elections. And if if the Congress election thing is is, is basically mandatory, if you go to vote for president, then they'll maybe vote. They the people need to realize, especially with the upcoming generation that I am a part of, the incoming voting generation, Gen Z, needs to realize not just the presidential election is important. We need to make sure the Senate and the House of Representatives is basically something you turn out for every two years. Additionally, we need to make sure, you know, municipal. Because when, when the federal government either can't or chooses not to take action and, and assist, who else, who else can you count on? You can count on your local municipal government, such as your mayor, such as your city council members. Um, additionally, if it's something you would like to see changed federally that the president can't do or won't do, you know, you can talk to your, um, you know, you, you will not talk to, I mean, you kind of could, you could reach out to them, but also, um, what's it called? You know, but additionally, um, you know, you could go vote for your Senate senators and your, um, representatives, you know, and we've seen how, you know, it can turn extremely negative if, if we don't all turn out to vote um, for all of these elections. You know, we get, we get people like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene into office, um, you know. And additionally, I mean, I haven't spoken about this personally. I think we should abolish the Electoral College. I mean, it serves no purpose, realistically. It's pretty much telling us, oh, yeah, your, your votes don't matter. Like, What? That makes no sense. The popular vote should be the vote that determines the winner of an election. It should not matter if an electoral college deserves, basically decides who we get to elect. That, that's not how it should work. How it should work is whoever wins majority of the votes amongst the United States voter base is who wins the election. Plain and simple. Look back into 2016. The only reason we had Trump as president is because the Electoral College failed the American people. Plain and simple. You know, Hillary Clinton, not a good choice either. I'm just saying, popular vote. The popular vote. Hillary won the popular vote. Hillary Clinton won that popular vote. So in my eyes... Trump would have never been president. Trump is not, Trump was sure as shit not my president due to all the things he did against the LGBTQ community and against all of the minorities. You know, he, he the, the, the wall, all that. He, in my opinion, I would have much rather had Hillary Clinton. You know, I didn't really like Hillary Clinton. You know, I was more of a Jill Stein person myself. And during the primaries, I aligned with Bernie a lot more. And a lot of people ask me about the whole Jill Stein thing. They're like, oh, how do you know? How do you remember all this? I was taught about, you know, elections very young. You know, I, I either informed myself. Well, here's the thing. I actually learned, you know, about elections and how they all work from family and friends and whatnot. And then, you know, I formed my own opinion after doing research on the Internet, extensive research and you know, I found out what I align with, you know, and that's what I pretty much still stand with to this day in terms of, you know, individual, you know, ideologies when it comes to certain policies, you know, what I support, what I don't support, you know, all that. So, I mean, you know, it's all just extremely complicated and extremely, you know, the whole, the whole sphere 
of politics, it's it's a disaster. <laughs> it's 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 becoming more of a disaster. The things that are currently happening is just dividing parties up even further. And I can contribute a good amount of the stuff that is currently happening to the pettiness of uh, Republican Congress members, Republican uh, leaning justices on the Supreme Court. You know, I can attribute a, m- a good amount of the issues that are currently happening that are dividing our political parties even further to those people in particular. You know. Um, the justices, you know, they're, they're basically stepping out of their, what we believe to be their jurisdiction just to annoy Democrats. Um, you know, that poll that was done, um, I forget who did that poll. I think it was, uh, YouGov did a poll and they had said, um, you know, they basically polled Republican voters and they had said, what do you want? And one of those top leading, uh, like wants out of a presidential candidate for 2024 for the Republicans was simply to annoy Democrats and to annoy anybody that opposed their radical, you know, communist agenda. If we're being really honest, you know, um, that, that's pretty much exactly what they wanted. And it was, to, it was proven in a study. It was proven with statistics. It was a pretty high percent too. It was around like 40, 50%, I believe. It was a very, very high percentage considering. So, you know, you know, and additionally, another one was was ending wokeness, which if you really think about it, that's pretty much just roping, you know, a second category to annoy the liberals. You know, liberals, left-leaning and far-left even, are woke, or what, you know, what the Republicans consider as, as the word woke, you know. Woke isn't a thing. Woke is just common sense and human decency combined into one. Woke is not a thing. In my eyes, woke is just common sense. And if you fail to recognize that, then you are are against common sense and you're against human decency. That is personally what I think. And that's a very pretty much all Republicans against common sense and against human decency due to the lack thereof when it comes to morals and the lack thereof when it comes to protecting the right as an American citizen, regardless of who you are attracted to, regardless of what gender you are, what ethnicity you are, what religion you practice, what you support, what you don't support, who you believe in, who you do not believe in, who you like, who you despise. You know, this country was built on freedom. Literally, the First Amendment is guaranteeing citizens their freedoms. As American citizens. And the Democrat, not the Democratic Party, the Republican Party has lost touch. Especially, which is awkward because, you know, they love talking about how they want to protect the Second Amendment. But what about the First Amendment? What about the First Amendment? What happens to that amendment? Because you, you clearly seem only when it works out in your favor is, is when you like to use, you know, the, um, the, the Constitution. Same thing with the, um, with the Bible when it comes to Christianity. They use Bible excerpts only when it works in their favor. When it doesn't work in their favor, they're not going to use that. And, you know, Democrats are guilty of that, too. I stick by the Constitution how it is. I'm not going to take excerpts. I'm not going to take certain little pieces and throw them in the trash, you know, or, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take certain ones and, and just only idolize those. You know, I like certain ones over other ones. I think the second amendment can go away. You know, I think about certain things about certain ones, but I'm not going to ignore the fact that they exist. 
You know, that, that's, that's unconstitutional. Quite literally, you are anti-constitutional if, if you want to ignore certain parts of the Constitution. The Constitution is not a puzzle. You know, it's, it's not a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle that you can, you can pick apart and, you know, take certain pieces of keep and then take the rest of the pieces that you don't like, maybe the pieces that are broken, and throw those ones out. Because obviously, the picture isn't going to be complete. The puzzle isn't going to be complete. There's going to be missing pieces everywhere. The Constitution was not meant to be, be a puzzle. You know what I mean? Or, well, in a way, in a, in a figurative way, it kind of was. Because if you think about it, you're not getting the entire Constitution without all the pieces that are parts of the Constitution. Think of every single puzzle piece as an amendment in the Constitution. Obviously, all the amendments together make the United States Constitution... But we can't just be taking pieces of this puzzle and, and throwing them in the trash because then if you think about it, that's not the Constitution. That's parts of the Constitution. That is not the full Constitution. To have the full Constitution, all the puzzle, all the puzzle pieces have to be there and be connected pro- correctly to each other. That's, I guess, a symbolic way of saying it. And it does actually make quite a lot of sense. So, you know, that, that's personally what I think when it comes to the political sphere and everything. And, um, yeah. So, oh, um, thank you. Um, well, you know, I mean, oh, I do have something to share. I have updated my website, um, and now you can register or not register. Um, you can apply to become a volunteer for my mayoral campaign. Um, now if you go to my website, um, you'll see, of course, you know, the volunteering section, which is a new button on the homepage that you can click. It'll bring you to a page with more information. Um, but I will share a very brief, you know, a summary of, of what I'll accept, um, what type of volunteers I need. You know, uh, primarily we need in-person volunteers. You know, they're willing to either go door to door, you know, po- you know, advertise, you know, stuff like that. Um, but additionally, I'm also willing to take virtual um, online uh, volunteers as well for social media purposes, of course, um, and promoting virtually, um, you know, just spreading the word online to people. Um, and, you know, obviously in-person, um, volunteers would have to reside in Los Angeles, California, of course, and you'll have to prove, you know, that you live in Los Angeles and whatnot. Um, you know, just simply like where you live and all that. And that's all we need pretty much. Um, if you're an in-person and the only restriction, on if you're a virtual volunteer is as as long as you live in one of the 50 United States, you're good to go. You know, um, I, I obviously want to keep it within the United States because some people, if I, if I were to allow it everywhere, you know, some people, if, if somebody, uh, is a volunteer from Canada, they're, they're going to think I'm being paid off by, uh, Trudeau, <laughs> like, you know, some, some crazy. So, you know, unfortunately it is limited to, um, only American citizens. Um, you know, so yeah, but, um, you know, you can learn more, you can read more about it on my website, on the volunteer tab. Um, but yeah. So thank you for listening to season two, episode one of Live in Conversation. And I will see you guys um, maybe next week, maybe the week after, um, because I'm probably going to be taking a bit of a break um, for, for my birthday because that is coming up. So um, yeah, but thank you for listening and I'll see you guys next time.